Um, <clears throat> so I got something to say from last week about our Thailand missions, and I have to say it, uh, we have Missionaries 9 going into Thailand uh, coming up this summer. And I want to tell you ahead of time, church, that I love you so much, and it was really exciting because there were some people who approached our uh, missions team uh, leaders, and they were uh, worried about people who wanted to support but, uh, th- but maybe couldn't afford to be a sponsor. So as a sponsor, we asked them to pay $600 and to pray consistently and meet with them ahead and, and behind time. But there were some people that it was so cool that their heart was to make sure that what if there were people that couldn't afford to do the 600? How could they send missionary? How could they be part of this uh, a really cool support? And so um, I really love the heart of that, the idea of it, because they were like, it's not just uh, uh, Zach or Francis going, um, and it's, it, it's Jericho Road going through Zach and, and Francis. And so um, in addition to, so after they brought this, it was like a just sort of this really cool moment where I was thinking about it and praying about it. We'd like to add, in addition to sponsor, we still want to have sponsors who people have uh, able to pay a $600, a third of the fees are going to do that. But we'd also like to add a category called a supporter, which would be someone who's like praying for and giving uh, whatever means they have available to help send that missionary. That way, like little Annalie Chan, who's like, she'll probably do this. She's this a wonderful little girl. That way, if she wants to be involved with supporting the missions team, she's able to she could become a short-term mission supporter. In that case, then she would just agree to pray for the missionary and maybe give whatever is out of her bank account, maybe 25 cents. And that's totally cool because God doesn't care the amount of it. If her heart is to give all of her whole 25 cents, man, God values that incredibly. And so uh, um, I I just want to say thank you, church, because uh, I had one thing in mind, and then some people had brought up this blind spot that I hadn't noticed. And I just want to thank you for your amazing heart to make missions, not just a few people going and a few people sending, but but all of our church going behind uh, behind the missionaries and all of our church sending the missionaries. And so I really appreciated that. And so thank you so much that we could be part of that. In two weeks, we're going to have that. There'll be this uh, right before our, uh, during our Sunday service, we're going to have our missionaries up here, and you'll have a chance, we'll have a sponsor card that you can either be a sponsor or a supporter, and, uh, and you'll have a chance to come up and just declare that uh, to God, and, and it'll be a really exciting, kind of powerful time. So in two weeks, you'll want to make sure to be here. Okay, so now, uh, if you're new here, uh, watch out. We're going to have a shout time, so don't panic, but we're going to do a shout that we've been doing. So already, here it comes. I love God, and I love you all. All right, just so you don't get scared. In 2006, Twitter uh, took to the social media storm, uh, world by storm. Twitter was this thing uh, where you could a sea of one-liners were sent out uh, from, from famous celebrities, from movie stars, from musicians, from moms and dads and even kids uh, to communicate whatever they wanted to to the entire world. But it had to be in 140 characters or less. This was like this mind-blowing concept, right? It just had to be short and pithy. And like, who could ever have thought of anything like this? It was like, like truly mind-blowing. Well, I hate to say, uh, God had already communi- communicated this exact idea a couple of thousand years ago. It's called the book of Proverbs. It's a book of wisdom that God sent out, and they're short and pithy and small, and there many of them are under 140 characters or less. And so God was like, I, I did that, Twitter. What are you talking about? I don't even know who the founder of Twitter is, but he'd say, like, I did that, bro, whatever your name is. And so uh, this is a timeless book, Proverbs, filled with wisdom for everyday life. And so we're just going to go over it. Now, uh, a couple of notes about Proverbs. Proverbs are really great. But if you try to just read through the book of Proverbs, you're going to choke on it. 
It's, uh, it's just too much stuff, like, and then your mind's going to become numb. Too much of a good thing. My, uh, I have uh, two sisters, two younger sisters, and one time my older, the, the older of the two sisters and I thought it was a really good idea to, to dare my youngest sister to drink a bottle of uh, Aunt Jemima's syrup. And so uh, my younger sir, sister, being the dumbest of all of us, she thought that would be a good idea too. And so we said, we'll give you 40 whole dollars, 20 bucks, my sister Tish and I, we'll give you $20 each to drink this and you have an hour to drink a bottle of syrup. And she likes syrup, right? And, and it's, I mean, it's not that much. It's like a pretty thin bottle. And so she started to drink that bottle of syrup and she got about three quarters of the way and it was 50 minutes. There was no way she was going to finish this. She, she looked horrific. Uh, she was almost dying, and we're like, okay, well, we'll give you an extra hour for 20 bucks off. And so she was like, okay, because she only had this much left, right? So she continues. She, she finishes this bottle, and then uh, for the next two days, she was throwing up. She couldn't go to school or work. Uh, her body, like, I, I, it's probably dangerous, so don't try it at home, but I, we didn't consult a nutritionist if that would be healthy or you could die from it or anything. But, but for several days, she, she was throwing up and she, her body couldn't stabilize and she was like fevering and messed up and all this kind of stuff. And um, to this day, she can't eat syrup still. And, and so too much, too fast, no good. Syrup's pretty good, but it's good in, in moderation. And Proverbs are that way. If you try to just, I'm going to read all the Proverbs and you're like... <sighs> grind through them, then you're going to barf. Your soul is going to be like, what the heck? Like, I don't remember any of it, and now I don't even like it. And that's how the Proverbs are going to be. And so we're going to just do a few at a time, think about it, smile, take it in, savor it, and that's how we, how we approach the book of Proverbs. Don't say, like, this week I'm going to read the whole book. <laughs> like, go ahead, but it's like syrup. You're, you may not uh, get what you think you're going to get. The word proverb actually just means a word of wisdom. Uh, or a word to the wise. So knowledge is having the right answer. Wisdom is having the right answer at the right time. And so that's what Proverbs is, the right answer at the right time. So some of these might not be for your time right now, but they're cool to learn in case you're going to be in a different time in a different place. The other uh, important thing to note about Proverbs is they are not promises from God. Promises from God are different because if God promises something will come true, then it has to come true in order for him to continue to be God. Does that make sense? So if he breaks his promise, then he can't be a faithful God. But if we treat Proverbs like promises, then we're going to get into difficulty because it'll actually become uh, harmful to God in his name if you misuse a proverb as a promise. So someone would pray, let's say they thought that it was a promise, and you pray for, through this proverb, and you're God, you say, God, you said if I uh, train up the child in the way they'll go, then he won't depart from it. And then the kid goes on, and you train him in the church, and then they go on and use drugs, and then they die. And you're like, God, you failed me. Your promise was broken. And God would say, I didn't promise that. That's a word of wisdom. It's more likely for them to work out well if they, if they follow me. And if they don't. And so we've got to be really careful to distinguish that these in the book of Proverbs, they're, they're words of wisdom, not words of promise from God. So if it doesn't come true, it doesn't mean that God is like not faithful. That's not the intention of the book. That's not the type of literature it is. It's not what this genre is meant to do. And if we try to force them to be promises, then we're going to find ourselves on, uh, on a dangerous ground where we can actually make God look very bad. 
And so Proverbs are wisdom on how to succeed in the world, how to, how to not be an idiot in life. Like uh, if you remember these books, like, how to, like something, something for dummies, right? So that's what these Proverbs are, like a successful life for dummies. Like that's what this is. And so um, in our series, we're going to tackle five Proverbs over three weeks. So the first section we're going to be talking about, like what are some Proverbs between us and God? Second week, what are some Proverbs between us and some other people dealing with relationships in life? And the last one is, uh, how do we deal with our life in general? What are some Proverbs for myself and my life? And so we're going to go over that. So today, uh, if you'd get out your bulletin right at the bottom, uh, right on the flip side, there's a place to to write some things down. And uh, if you could just jot down maybe one or two things as we're talking about it today that God really touches your heart on. And so uh, one or two that strike you. Uh, as we're because they're not maybe going to all pertain to you and that's okay so you jot those down there and hold the hold on to them this week as you're sitting in those words of proverbs okay so the first one is is a super famous one this is just talking about god's wisdom is way better than our wisdom and it comes from Proverbs chapter three uh, and it says this trust in the lord with all your heart don't lean on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he's going to make straight your path and so you may have heard this one before. Uh, we need to trust God more than we trust ourselves. And it's okay to hear this a second time. When we're looking at this proverb, this word heart isn't like saying, trust the Lord with all your emotions. That's how we read it in the Western world. But in the ancient world, your heart was your command center. It was the place where you took emotions, you took reason, you took thought, you took uh, all your ideas and experiences, and you put them together and you made a decision. And that was what the heart was for the, the ancient Hebrews here. And so what it's saying is you've got to trust you, the Lord with, with all your decision-making process. In the very center of who you are, in the inner person of you, that's where you're trusting God with. So it's foolish to trust in our own hearts. Look, self-sufficiency and self-dependence, they've been the ruin of mankind ever since the fall of Adam. Remember what was Satan's temptation to Adam? He was like, hey, don't you want to be God? Don't you want to be self-sufficient? Don't you want to know things because he knows things? Don't you want to know evil because he knows evil? <laughs> so the, our desire to be self-sufficient has been a problem for a long time. The great sin of, human, of the entire human race is our continual insistence on living independently of God. Right? That's, what, that's what the whole thing is, that, that I think that I can do it separate from God. And so the Bible, the word of wisdom is just saying like, hey, like, you're trusting the wrong place if you're just trusting your own decision-making process, right? Can we admit that God perhaps has greater understanding than I have? I can admit it pretty readily. Like God, he knows more stuff than I know. He has a greater view of history and humanity than I have. And he's, God is, in fact, greater and more, has more understanding in like everything. <laughs> so this should be a no-brainer. Right? This one this should be easy because, of course, God knows more stuff. Of course, he has more understanding. But what happens? What happens is, is that our nature is to put our own thoughts first. We think we got it. We think we know stuff. It's like a, we, we hate to admit we're still teenagers. Like if you've ever had teenagers, they think they know everything, right? Like, no, I know. There's the right answer. And your parents are always right. You know, I tell my kids that I'm like 99% right. Occasionally they get one out of 100 right. But I'm like that to God. I'm like, no, I know God. I'll do my thing. And God's like, you don't know. Like, yes, I do. And I get angsty towards God. And, and so this is, uh, this is our issue. It should be a no-brainer, but it's not. If we don't, you know, trust our own wisdom, we even trust our friend's wisdom before we trust God's wisdom. And so we have to consciously put 
put our trust in God. It takes effort and intentionality, especially when the default is ourself. The default is to trust our own wisdom. So if trust in God is, is to be true, then it has to be complete. See, this one, there's no halfway sort of thing. To put half our trust in God and half our trust in self, like that's going to result in failure. God says you got to trust me and not trust yourself. The English Puritan author and theologian John Trapp, he writes this, a person that stands with one foot on a rock and one foot in quicksand will sink and they'll perish. As certainly as if that person stood with both feet on quicksand. So you can't just trust God halfly and trust yourself halfly because then you'll fall in and sink. That's why it says trust the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Acknowledgement isn't just a nod of recognition. Yeah, I acknowledge you, God, but I'm doing my thing. <laughs> the, the word acknowledge here means like to know. It means like to know God and, and an intimate knowledge of God. And so literally know God in all the ways of my heart is what this is saying. You want to be wise, then you know God in all the ways of your heart. In all the decision-making processes, they should be God-honoring ones. God will help you make those decisions that are straight on, correct, right-path decisions. So in all your ways, we're trusting Him with our heart. It means to acknowledge Him in all that we do. It's a choice to invite God into all of the parts of our life where we're making decisions even the mundane ones, even the day-to-day ones, even the ones that, like, how should I treat my kid? How should I treat my coworker? How should I, how should I navigate these new relationships? How should I find this or this or this? We invite God into all spots of our life. It's the practice of His presence in the regular and the sometimes mundane things. See, when God makes your path straight, He isn't just guiding it. The cool part about this is, like, so when we trust God and His, what God does, He smooths out the path ahead of you. So this isn't just a guidance. Making your path straight isn't saying, go this way, go this way. The, the Bible here is saying, like, when you trust God with your ways, what God does is he tamps it out, taps it out ahead of you so that as you're going, your path is smooth. Straight paths means like a smooth path or a path that, that is without obstacles. And so God makes the path manageable for, manageable for those people who are trusting him, listening to him, and leaning into his understanding rather than our own. And so that's a word of wisdom from God. Like, hey, God says you... You want to navigate life well? How about you come and ask me some stuff and I'll help you navigate it and I'll even smooth it out for you if you trust my wisdom rather than your own. So that's our first one. Our second one, and this one is like wow to me. All week this is probably the one that's been hitting me the most. Like They all hit a little bit different, each of us, for today. But this one's been hitting me the most. And this one is a, this uh, proverb uh, in the Bible that, that talks about God hating uh, division. And it comes from Proverbs chapter 6. And uh, so here's what it reads. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. So to honor God, we've got to treat people well. This is all about interacting with kind of people. The collection of six plus one here is focused on how we treat people. And I almost can't process this. I'm looking at this list, like I'm looking at it, and I, I see arrogance at first, right? Like a haughty eyes. I see lying and killing. Like they're all on the same playing field, right? 
But to me, I think killing's way worse than lying. Like, right, if I have to lie or kill, I think God probably likes me to lie better than, like, to be arrogant, I think arrogant is probably better than kill somebody. But God's, he says, look, you want to see some things I don't like? I don't like lying and killing and, and haughty eyes. <laughs> and you're like, wow, really? So someone comes up and they're like, hey, man, I just killed someone. And I say, oh, yeah, I could do that way better. And God's like, mm, see, you're arrogant. He killed a guy, but you're arrogant. You guys are on the same playing field. Like, this kind of, like, doesn't make sense, right? Like, to me, that they're, they're the same level of hatred by God. But we can't please God if we're going to hurt people. In fact, God hates it. He loathes it. It is repugnant to him when we hurt others and cause discord. In this, in this proverb, we have this uh, ancient literary tool uh, called X and X plus one. So it's, it's used other places in the Bible, and it's used in other ancient literature. Whenever you say, like, there are six things that the person hates, seven that are this. So you're, like, doing six and then a plus one to make the seven. And whenever this, liter- this literary style is used, what it's attempting to do is say, hey, here's these, like, uh, bad things, and the culmination of that, or the, the worst part of it, or the summary, or the crescendo is the last one. So it's like, these things God hates, but the crescendo one is that last one. And this is pretty crazy, because I'm going to then relook at it. God hates arrogance, and he hates lies and killing, and evil hearts and actions, and he hates false talk. And the culmination of God's disdain is for those who cause division among his people. Because Killing is the lead-up to discord. Really? Because killing seems like the big one on the list to me. Right? Because I'm life-obsessed. Sometimes maybe I think this life is more important than anything else, right? We get a little bit life-obsessed. But God's like, no, that life don't matter. What matters is discord. You're like, yeah? Are you sure? Because God's like, I'm sure. I killed a lot of people. Noah, do you know the whole earth died, right? And so this is really crazy. It's, it's serious. Like, killing's one of the less pieces, and discord is the crescendo. It's that serious. And then when we get to the New Testament, this starts to make a lot of sense. When you read the New Testament over and over, you'll see a constant call for unity and for love among the people of God, for a singularity that they're, that they're not dividing. When Paul, uh, Peter and, and uh, Apollos have this, or Paul and Apollos have this issue, and Paul's like, no, 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 don't divide over it. Don't say, I follow Peter, I follow Paul, I follow Paulos. Whatever you do, don't divide over these things. And it becomes this issue in the New Testament as well. So if this concept is true as I'm looking at it, this proverb, then we better, when we approach another, one another, we better be a lot more careful to find the beauty and the growth and to lift up and to strengthen, not cause discord. Like to give people the benefit of the doubt or and the space to, to not zing them and, and hurt them and, and immediately cause divisions and discord. Like, we've got to be really much more careful than maybe we are. Like, our brother Yuli uses an acronym, uh, API, Assumed Positive Intent. <laughs> Thinking the best of people. So when I interact with my community, I've got to think the best of them. I've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. To look for the good in every situation, not the bad. To, to look for the light, not for the dark. Because one of the things that God hates and the crescendo is that it's discord among the brothers. So at Jericho Road, our leadership board's been praying about the value of relationship that we have. And that needs to be a hallmark of our, car, uh, of our church. 
And so this proverb was just striking me super powerfully this week. So let's make sure to protect relationships. Protect one another, not hurt each other. We love you. I love you, and I hope you love me, and I hope you love one another. And so let's treat each other with that right love. So number three is, uh, God, is uh, God is a no on hypocrites. And this is Proverbs 15. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but he delights in the prayers of the upright. Now, this one seems like a duh. <laughs> like, yeah, you think? Like, of course he does. But, but only one person knows this. See, only, only the wicked person knows that they're wicked in this situation, and God knows. Because this situation has a wicked person coming up and offering a sacrifice at church. So they're at church, and they come, and they give a great offering, and they do their prayer. And they look fantastic. But God sees that they're wicked inside. And there's another person, but this is the person he delights in, the person that's praying but has an upright or a right attitude towards God. Sacrifices given by the wicked are always hypocritical in that the person giving them remains wicked rather than turning from their sin and having it forgiven. That's the part that makes them wicked. It's not that they've done something bad because we've all done something bad. It's that they remain in that place. This person thinks they can circumvent their own personal change by giving God a token. Like if, if you think that you could pay off God with a sacrifice and he'll be, it'll be all good with him, and all the while keep on doing that evil thing, like in his eyes, if you think that you could do that, then you're mistaken. You can't simply come to God and, and pay him off. It's like, here's God, here's the money, here's the prayer part. I did it on Sunday. I'm going to go keep doing my evil. God's like, I don't like that. You know what I like? I like a guy who's going to come and talk to me and try to follow it up with action and to live right. What God really likes is prayers that are accompanied by that attempt to actually act right, to make a change, to follow God. And the other really cool part of this, this proverb is when it says that like, God delights in the prayers of the righteous. Like, Isn't that really cool? and like a little bit overwhelming that we can actually cause God an emotional response. Like we can cause delight to God. That is so nuts to me. Like, like God is actually watching and he's like, yes, that's my kid. They nailed it, right? Dude, they got it right this week. Awesome. Like that's how God's like looking at you. It's like every parent can say when your kid joins sports, what do you want them to do? You don't want them to not suck, right? You do. And they don't... Like, they don't even have to be the star. You just want to, if they play soccer, you want them to make a goal. There's just one in this season. If they, if they play basketball, you want them to make one basket, right? If they, if they play baseball, just get one hit. You know, that's all I need, just one. Like, you just don't, you, and every time they do, you're like, yeah. You delight in your kids' successes. We delight whenever they come home and they say, I did good in class. And you're like, Yeah. My friend and I, we picked up his little kids, and, and his two kids are a little bit troublesome, and uh, they're, they're twin boys, and, and one came up, and he was like, Daddy, I got a purple today. His purple is like the high on the, the chart, right? He's like, I got a purple, and my friend Brian was like, hallelujah, you know, like, I can't believe it, you know, he was super stoked, and he was delighted that his kid had acted right. His kid had done what he was supposed to do, and there was delight, genuine uh, delight in my friend's heart for his kid. And we know that as parents. And the cool part is, like, God is watching us. And when you nail it, God's like, yeah, like, dude, great job, kid. I'm so stoked by that, that we can cause God delight. And that's amazing that you and I have the opportunity to bring delight to God's heart. How fun is that? 
that the God of the universe, where are these specks on this speck planet? And he's like, yeah, you did it. You didn't sin for the first time finally over that same sin. He's like, oh, my gosh, I saw that you woke up 10 minutes early to talk to me. I love it, God says. And so God isn't in the hypocrites, but he delights in those who come honestly before him. Proverbs 16, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his step. God wants to work with you, but it's got to be on God's terms. Planning your way, it's not a bad thing. This isn't a negative proverb telling you not to plan. I think many people would be, especially young people, would do a lot better if they put out a clearer plan for their life and stuff. And so I think planning is really important. But we should never think that our plan is secured by our ability. So sometimes we think, remember, we get back to that self-sufficiency piece. I think that if I plan it, then I do it, then it's all about me, and then it's going to work out. See, it's the Lord who establishes the steps. Establish means to make firm, to be fixed in strength. So the, the idea that this place would be used with, like, if you had pillars in, in like, a, in an ancient Colosseum, the pillars are the things that are established. If you had a military line and your guys were ready for battle, the military line would be established. They're ready in strength. And so this is what it's saying. Like, like make your plans. God's saying, I want you to make your plans, but I want you to know that God is the one who firms those plans. God is the one that is the strength and the power behind those plans. Every plan we make should be made in humility and say, God, here, I got this plan. Is this what you're interested in? Because if you are, this thing's going to be dope. This thing's going to be strong. This thing's going to last. So in our lives, we should be planning for God's kingdom. Remember, Jesus says, like in that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. As we do that, it's God who directs our, our path. It's God who guides us and ultimately gives us the ability to follow through on that correct path. So let's say as a church, you know, we're going we're gonna to have a family retreat. We're going to start to plan for that family retreat uh, or maybe for a special outreach day or something. Like we can make plans all we want, but if God isn't involved, then it's pointless. That's nonsense if God's not involved. We could create a nice program and create this and this and that, but if God's not involved, that's just lame. If God's not the one that's strengthening those steps, within the plan. He needs to secure the plan. He needs to be the power behind the plan for our, for, for ultimately for his glory. And our last proverb for today comes from Proverbs chapter 3, uh, and this is about God and, and loyalty. It says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of your heart. Then you're going to win favor from, and a good name in the sight of God and in the sight of man. So love and faithfulness win favor of God and men. Love here is this cool, you've probably even heard this word if you've been in church long enough, this Hebrew word hesed, if you've ever heard of the hesed. So one of my friends, the mentor guy, he named his son hesed. And another friend of mine, he named his clothing brand hesed. So this is like, even comes around in pop sort of culture stuff. Hesed is this, it's a difficult word to translate, this word love. Uh, we translate it as love, but, it, but it's something different because it doesn't have an English equivalent. What it is is like a, a type of love that shows up in an abundant, like long-term kindness mixed with like mercy. So like they, they're, they're not getting what they deserve. It's, it's patient. It's kind. It's a long-term thing. Um, perhaps like if we could coin our own term, we would say like loyalty love. 
Like it's this kind of love. So that, that kind of love, that's why it's paired with faithfulness because they're like almost twin brothers. It, faithfulness is part of almost what that hesed love is like. So he's saying what, what God wants is for you to have this kind of love that's long-standing, enduring, and, and, and doesn't give up easily. It's not primarily something that people feel. It's something that people do for other people, uh, especially for those people who have no claim on them. Like I'm just going to go love and care for someone that doesn't owe me anything. And so this proverb links those two, love, love and uh, loyalty, love and faithfulness, because they're like their best friends. You know, they're they're together all the time. And so it's saying, I want you not to forget that. I want them to be so close that they're they're as if they were tied around your neck. They're they're as if they were the necklace that you're wearing. It's it's a uh, like you got them tattooed on your heart, right? How many of you have ever, like, important things, you write it on your hand? Does anyone else write really important things on their hands? I do, but on the, on the backside because I washed my hands. So then, like, what was I supposed to remember? I write important stuff. On, if I don't have my phone to write it in, I write it on my hand all the time. Why? Because, like, I don't want to forget it, right? Like, I put it there so I'm going to get in the car, and I'm going to, oh, yeah, I need to go get eggs. It's like, eggs. But it never writes right, so it'll say, right on my hand. <laughs> but I know it says eggs, so I'm going to go get eggs. I'm not going to forget. And, uh, and, and so this is what the Bible's saying. Like, don't forget that because we have a tendency as people to forget things. Make them key components of your life that are on display at all times. Right? Put them as that necklace, this, this longstanding love for people and faithfulness. And when you do, people are going to appreciate it, and God appreciates it. God likes that kind of love. When you have it for other people, God sees it. When you have it for him, God sees it, and he, he likes it. And, and people see it, and they like that. Everybody likes faithful friends. Nobody likes rat friends, right? I really enjoy getting backstabbed. That's one of my favorite things in life. No, I like, even when I'm an idiot, my friend has my back, right? Because I'm an idiot sometimes, and I was a jerk, and my friend still stands up for me. I love that. We value that kind of thing. This blessed loyalty love, it's magnetic. It enjoys favor of God, uh, the favor of God who honors it, and it attracts the favor of men as well. And that's what God wants for us at Jericho Road. Not temporary convenient love, but loyalty love for one another, for God. God wants that in your life so that people would notice. They're like, hey, that person's got like that loyalty love thing. That's all on their neck. <laughs> like That's what they're known for. They got that on their hand. They're not forgetting to show that kind of love towards people. So that's a lot, of pa- a lot packed into five Proverbs for today. And, and what I want you to do is to, just to take a few with you. I want you to chew on them this week. The sermon isn't finished when I'm done talking. The sermon isn't finished until you start to process it this week. It is... I, I've been chewing on these for a month, so I've been getting good flavor out of them. Now it's your turn to start to chew on them and think on them. And, and not all of them. Maybe there's just one that just hit you and, and you wrote it on your bulletin. Keep that, put it on your dash this week, right in your car. Think about it as you're, as you're driving to, to work. Take a few of them. So let's pray and then we're going to close by worshiping in a song together. But let's just pray over these. Father, I really don't know what you want for each person, but I absolutely think that you brought each person here on purpose. That every one of the men and women and myself, God, we are here to hear from you and you have something to say if we'll just simply listen. So would you help us to like, 
We don't even do that well, God. We don't even open up our hearts well, even when we want to. And so we ask that you would help us to do it. Help us to receive your words of wisdom and to think on them and chew on them and and bring them into part of our life so that we can have the right answer in the right circumstance. God, maybe it's a circumstance you want to speak to us right now. Maybe you've been talking to us right here through the Proverbs. And I just pray that that would sit on our hearts. So church, I want to invite you to take a minute and just let God know that you're open to Him. What He wants to say this week, even through these Proverbs. If you forget, you can always go listen to the the online podcast or hopefully you've written some down. Would you just take a minute and just say, God, I want to be open to you. I want to hear your wisdom because I can't navigate this life on my own. Well, I can. I just want to navigate it better with you. Would you just open your heart up to God this